You know, we serve a great and mighty God. I mean, how great is His love for us? I mean, what, a, what an amazing statement. How great is His love for us? And, you know, it's, uh, I was visiting with uh, Joel Engelman out here, Joe Engelman, and um, just a little bit ago, and he said, you know, you can kind of summarize the, the Scripture if you want to take some broad brush strokes uh, in four categories, four parts. He said, you think about the Bible and you have one part is creation. The second part is the, the fall of man, humanity. The third part is redemption. And the fourth part is consummation. Amen. And, uh, you know, you think about that. And one of, those, one of those topics that I want to talk about is redemption today. And uh, we see this in the book of Ruth. We see redemption and the human response and um, I, I love this because in the, if we follow the storyline in this book, it helps us to see God's sovereignty, how God is in charge of all things, how he is the ruler of all that is. We see in this story of the book of Ruth, we see his grace, we see his providence, we see his love. And, you know, it, it's an amazing thing because we see all of that, all of those things in the ordinary events of life. Through the daily, mundane, routine things that we do, we see God at work. What a blessing that is. I want to review for just a moment, if I might, the story of Ruth. And if you're uh, joining us for maybe the first part of this, but, um, you know, we, we met Ruth and we met Naomi at the beginning of the book. There was a man named Elimelech, and he was married to Naomi, and they lived in Judah uh, around Bethlehem. And they had two sons, uh, Kilion and Mahlon, and they both um, went with them to Moab because there was a famine uh, around Bethlehem. There wasn't enough food there, so they moved to, to Moab. And while they were in Moab, their sons, both of their sons, married uh, Moabite women. And um, uh, then Elimelech died, the, the dad, and um, Naomi's husband. And then Maclone and Kilion both died. And so you basically had these three widows that were in Moab. And Naomi was an Israelite, and she was living in the land of Moab, a widow. And she said, you know what? You daughters, you need to go back to your families, and maybe you can marry again. Maybe you can uh, get a life for yourself. And I'm going to go back to, to Judah, to back to Bethlehem, where I belong. And... Um, Orpah, one of the daughter-in-laws, said, you know, well, I wish you well. And she ended up going back uh, uh, to her Moabite family. And then Ruth made a commitment to Naomi. And she said, where you go, I will go. And where you, you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And I will be buried there. And she made this huge commitment to Naomi. And so those two women, Naomi and Ruth, they went back to Bethlehem. And while they were there, they, they just got there, and then it was the, the beginning of the barley harvest. And so Ruth began to go out and to glean, to pick up the leftovers in these fields uh, in order to sustain these two widow women. And while she was there, she, she started gleaning in the field of Boaz, and it turns out that Boaz was a close relative of Naomi's. And he happened to be very wealthy. 
And he was also like, you know, Bethlehem's most eligible bachelor. And so Ruth and him began to hit it off, okay? And, um, you know, in the life of ancient Israel, um, there was the practice of what's called the kinsman redeemer. Uh, you know, kinsman, the relative that's the redeemer. And um, that, that practice existed. And the, the, the Hebrew word for that is ga'al. G-A-A-L, ga'al. And, and the redeemer was a near kinsman, a near relative who acted both as a redeemer of people or property or both. And so um, the, the word ga'al means to buy back or to protect. To buy back or to protect. And when a man of ancient Israelite, uh, if, if, if an ancient Israelite man uh, died, uh, it was the responsibility of that near relative to p- protect the widow from poverty and to provide uh, for the possibility of the continuation of the family name through children. And so the custom of this kinsman redeemer abounds in the book of Ruth. And, and some amazing parallels exist between the book of Ruth and between our redemption in Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to focus on is the, the redemption part of that. And if you have your scripture and want to open it up, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 3. And um, we're going to end up kind of covering the whole chapter. It's uh, 18 verses. Uh, but we're going to camp out there in just a moment. But um, let me go ahead and just uh, pray and ask God to, uh, to bless his word in us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, your word uh, is so important to us. Father, it, it tells us what we need to know and how we can know you better. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just illuminate your word for us. That even in this moment, Father, that your Holy Spirit would examine our hearts and see if we are truly found in you. Father, I pray that your grace, your mercy would, would, would flow through. And Father, that uh, <laughs> how great is your love for each one of us. And Father, we sit today in the, in the presence of our Savior. And we recognize that we are seeing lives transformed even while we ourselves are being transformed. So, Father, I pray that your grace would be manifested in us. And, Father, that we would see uh, you very clearly. We love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we all have a need for redemption. We all need to be redeemed. We all need a redeemer. You know, Naomi was destined for a life of poverty. She was the older of the two women, probably past a marriageable age of what we would think uh, that she could uh, marry and and have a productive life. And so uh, she was destined for a life of poverty and she would would have to live a life of a widow which consisted of gleaning and and really serving as as a slave, as a a servant. And, And also Naomi was too old to have children and her husband's legacy had stopped when her two boys, her two sons, had died. Obviously, they had grown up and they had married, but they were, they were her sons, and that was the only hope she had was, was in them unless she had a redeemer, unless she had someone, a close relative, who could redeem her. See, Naomi's predicament parallels our need. Think about this. 
Often we live our lives by our own desires. The things that we want. The things that we decide. We, we live our lives by our own desires. And we need deliverance from the poverty of ourselves. God created us for so much more. And, and, and if truth be known, many times we are, we are bottom feeders. We need deliverance from the poverty of ourselves. We need a Redeemer. See, our hope for freedom from bondage lives outside of our own wit and our own power. We need redemption and we need a Redeemer. See, the presence of a qualified Redeemer is what is needed. Soon after Naomi and Ruth, I'm going to get to the Scripture in just a moment. Soon after Naomi and Ruth returned to, to Bethlehem from Moab, Naomi discovered Boaz, this kinsman. And because of Boaz's family link with Naomi, Boaz was qualified to serve as a Gaal, as a redeemer. He was qualified to do that. And as we're going to see today, after the initiative of Ruth toward Boaz to be this kinsman redeemer, Boaz also knew of another relative that was even closer than he was. See, he knew of a relative that was number one in line, and actually Boaz was number two in line. So Boaz presented the fact, as we're going to see in subsequent uh, messages, that he could redeem Naomi's property to the kinsmen at the, at the city gate in the presence of ten men. This was the rule. If you will gra- gather ten of the men from the city together, you can, you can redeem in front of them, but... Know this, that whoever redeemed Naomi's property also had to marry Ruth. That kinsman was not willing to pay the price. But Boaz paid the price for the property and he was willing to marry Ruth. But understand this, when we talk about redeemer, when we talk about kinsman, it is something that goes back in in the Israelites' covenant with God I mean, the word Gaal was used by the the people of Israel concerning their covenant with God. Um, The Lord made himself known to Moses as the Gaal. I love this because over in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, it says, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. In Hebrew, this word is vahitzalti. Vahitzalti, vahitzalti, I am, I am and I will rescue, I am and I will redeem. Gaalti, 
I love that because it says that God himself is the redeemer. He's the one that's telling the Israelites, I will redeem you. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. He also revealed himself in Isaiah 41 to Isaiah the same way, that he would redeem, that Almighty God would be the redeemer. You know, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he uses the kinship model of atonement. The kinship model of atonement of Christ in Romans 5 through 8, of this whole concept of being made in the likeness. You see, Christ is associated closely with us just like Boaz was with Naomi. I love this because it says in Romans 8, 3 that Christ was born in the likeness of sinful flesh. (laughs) Just like us. He's a close relative and, and therefore he can redeem. He is both able and willing to redeem. And just like Boaz was the qualified redeemer for Naomi and for Ruth, Jesus Christ is the qualified redeemer for you and for me. He is the one who is qualified. He lived a sinless life and he pays the price for our redemption. He is our qualified redeemer. You see, when God acts as Redeemer, He delivers us from the bondage of ourselves. From the poverty of that, He delivers us from the bondage of ourselves. And we're also redeemed of the Lord. We become joint heirs. We become joint heirs of the inheritance. (laughs) Of all that is, the the things that, that, that belongs to Christ, we are joint heirs with Him in that. Folks, that's a beautiful picture. Because the best is yet to come. It means that what we can expect is is we're going to rule and we're going to reign with Jesus Christ according to the promises of God. I also want to call your attention this morning to the necessity, the absolute necessity of human response. Our response. I'm probably showing my age here, but you remember, you may remember, the movie, The Poseidon Adventure. I'm not talking about the one that was done in 2005. I'm talking about the one that was done in 1972 with Gene Hackman and uh, Ernest Borgnine and those guys. It tells a story of a ship called the Poseidon that, that was making its final voyage and they were celebrating in there on New Year's Eve and there was a tidal wave, a tsunami really, that came and it, it hit the side of the ship broadside and it turned the ship over and then the rest of the movie they're trying to figure out how to get out of this sinking ship. And, and you know it's interesting because there were two ministers in one of the scenes, there's two ministers and they're both in distress over this. And one of the ministers wants to pray for a miracle. He wants to pray for a miracle. The other minister chooses to pray as he seeks a way out of the ship. See, I think there's a lesson there from the second one for us. That miracles can come, but we need to make a human response. We need to make a human response. We must do something. Nowhere in the story of Ruth, nowhere in here of Ruth and Naomi do we see passive people waiting for an active God to work out their dilemma. They're not sitting back saying, well, God, help me out here. God, send a miracle. 
They're actively working at it. They're actively looking for what God is doing. And folks, that's what it takes. He's done the redemption. He's redeemed us. But we got to do something. Notice from our passage the plan. The people responded. And God works through our response. See, Naomi took the initiative in planning. Chapter 3, verse 1 and following, it says this. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, Ruth, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. And she said to her, all that you say, I will do. See, Naomi was concerned for Ruth's excuse me, welfare. She was concerned for her, and she wanted Ruth to be able to marry again, and the meeting between Ruth and Boaz changed the situation. All of a sudden, there's hope now. There's hope that something could happen. Boaz was a close relative, and Naomi began to plan for Ruth's marriage to Boaz. I mean, in those days, it was common for parents to arrange marriages. She's telling her daughter-in-law to go present herself to Boaz as in marriage. Now, Naomi gave Ruth some specific instructions with a very assertive strategy. The first thing she told her, she said, take a bath. That's always helpful. <laughs> Take a bath. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot there. Take a bath. But she says, put on perfume. Anoint yourself. Clean up. Smell good. Put on your best clothes. I think this is important because, you know, go down there to the threshing floor. Go down there where he's been at work. But don't let him know that you're there until the party is well underway and he's had plenty to eat and drink. And when you see him slipping off to sleep, watch where he lays down and then go there and lie at his feet. And let him know that you're available to him for marriage. Then wait and see what he tells you to do. He'll tell you exactly what to do. You know, sometimes this is the plan. And sometimes we act like planning, maybe planning is sinful in some way. We wait passively, expecting God to work a miracle, and God does and can work miracles, but the Lord also expects His people to exercise the gifts that He's given us, like using our minds and using our ability to make plans. God works through these purposes. He works through the response of Ruth that Naomi had given her the plan. And she begins to work out that plan. And notice the action here. 
Soon after Naomi and, and Ruth returned to Bethlehem. You know, it, it, it's crazy because all of a sudden Ruth did exactly what Naomi instructed her to do. Look at verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor. She did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it's true, I am a close relative, however, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. <laughs> I mean, Ruth did exactly what Naomi asked her to do. She went there. She felt a part of the covenant family of the Lord and, and she was willing to take part in the kinsman redeemer custom. Remember, she was a Moabite. She was a pagan. She worshipped uh, uh, pagan gods in Moab. And here she's signed on. She's made a commitment to, be, uh, to worship God, the one true God. She's made a commitment to Naomi to be with her and where you go, I will go. She's, she's willing to take part of this, and so she went to the threshing floor. She uncovered his feet, and she laid down at his feet. Now, Boaz had had a good time. He had been eating, he had drink, drunk his fill, and he felt great, and then he went off to sleep, laying down there at the end of a, a stack of grain. But in the middle of the night, he was startled, and he woke up only to find a, lay, a woman laying there at his feet. And I could just hear him now saying, and, and, and who are you? And who are you? I mean, he's trying to figure this out. It was a question not only of identification, but also of explanation. Kind of like, and what are you doing here? Who are you and what are you doing here? And Ruth asked Boaz to spread his covering over his maid. A symbolic act of protection generally associated with marriage. Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear this. Life and eternity will pass us by if we do not respond with courageous action. Life will go right on by. Eternity, our chance at eternity will go right on by if we don't respond with courageous action. Ruth could have dreamed and planned about her marriage to Boaz without acting. She could have sat at home pining away, thinking about what might be. And that's all it would have ever been if she hadn't taken action. 
But because she got up and she went and did what she needed to do, things turned out much differently for Ruth. I mean, the time comes when we must all act with courage. Folks, this nation needs Christians and believers more than it's ever needed them to rise up and act with courage for the purposes of God, for the kingdom. I mean, God told Joshua, He said, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It doesn't matter. (laughs) The government is not my redeemer. The White House is not my Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I've trusted it to Him on that day so that when that day comes, He will be there redeeming, speaking up, making it happen. Listen, if we ever want our plans to come to pass, if we ever want our plans to bear fruit, then we must act. We have to do something. And when we make action plans, these plans have to be set into motion. As it says in James, prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not merely hearers only. But notice this human response. There's a decision. Verse 14 says, So she laid at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again, he said, Give me the cloak that is is on you and hold it. And she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. See, Boaz responded to Naomi's strategy and to Ruth's action. I mean, Boaz did not have to act within the legalistic, you know, regulations of the kinsman redeemer. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Remember, Boaz was a God-saturated man. Boaz was legit. He was legitimate. He was the one who was upholding the the, the rightness of things. And he chose to work toward becoming Ruth's husband. But first, he had to settle the matter with the kinsman who was closer than he was. And he said, I'll go handle this business today. In the city, I'll go take care of it. 
You see, love always protects. He protected Ruth's reputation by sending her out of the threshing floor before dawn. He didn't want people talking about what had happened or what they thought happened. He sent her out because love always protects. But you know, love always gives too. We see here, he, he tells her, he says, take your shawl. And he, he's laying there at a, a, a big heap of grain. And so he says, take this to your mother-in-law. Don't go back empty-handed. So he provides even in that situation. He responds graciously by giving her physical provisions. And he also promised to settle the matter that day. See, at times we must make courageous decisions. God grants us the responsibility of choosing. (laughs) Oh, we would like God to write it down for us. We would like for him to write it in the sky. We would like for him to make it painfully obvious to us and very clear. (laughs) But sometimes we have to use all the facts that we have and decide what to do. I mean, God could do everything for us. He could make that decision for us. But he made us for so much more. He made us for more and he respects us more than that. (laughs) He created us. He created us male and female. He created us. He chose to create us male and female. He chose to create us in His image. He chose to create us as people with the ability to make a human response. And we must decide. See, there's blessings here of being redeemed. The book of Ruth, it continues to show how those who have been redeemed are blessed. Both Ruth and Naomi, they're protected from poverty because of the redemption of Boaz. Also, Naomi now has hope of a new family through the birth of a male child from Boaz and Ruth later on. See, on this side of the cross as believers, we rejoice in God's provision in Christ for our redemption because now we have the hope of a new family. We have been given protection and hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Folks, he initiates and we respond. He redeems and we must decide. Let's pray together.
Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you are our redeemer. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. You are our redeemer. Father, it's our joy to know you. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for each one of us. That you and you alone are worthy of our praise because you are the qualified redeemer. You came in the form of human flesh, sinful flesh, living a sinless life among sinful people. And then you paid the price so that we could be redeemed for all eternity. Father, we talk about your great love, your amazing love, your grace. And Father, to know the path of destruction that, that we have been on, and then to know that you have redeemed us, even while we were sinners, you still loved us. You loved us enough to pay our debt so that we could be made right with you. Father, that is the most amazing love that any of us could ever experience. And God, you did that for us. Father, you initiate and we respond. Father, I'm so thankful that you redeem. Father, we stand today in the valley of decision. Father, knowing where we have come from. But Father, your redemption changes all of that. Because of you, we have a hope and a future. Father, I pray that you would help us to decide. That we would decide to follow Jesus. Father, that we would become your people. That we would make a commitment to you, Lord, of our lives for this purpose. God, we love you. I ask that you would examine our hearts, Holy Spirit in this time of response that you would just move us from where we are to where you want us to be. Father, we ask this courageously, asking, Father, for you to do what only you can do, and that is to transform the human heart. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.